ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Never Otter Even Presents Friday Funhouse Podcast. I am your host and sole executive authority of our Fantasy Hockey League, AJ, and I am excited to be here today to recap the uh, semifinals of our Fantasy Hockey Playoffs. Uh, I wish I had an alarm for the drama alert in this episode, uh, something that might really like drive up our listens or make this bad boy go viral, uh, maybe make me enough money and sponsorships to pay for all the tools that I use to make this podcast. But given that I have like seven unique listeners in a 12-team league, and my wife hasn't even listened to the last podcast that I uploaded last Friday, uh, even with the drama alert, I anticipate like two listens to this particular episode. Um, it's especially disheartening that episode six, which I consider to be the best episode that I've produced by far, has half as many downloads as the episode before, though, in fairness, the episode before was the audio nightmare when I recorded in my kitchen, so I guess that's probably my fault. Um, still, fuck you, and especially fuck your scandalous trade attempt. Anyway, this will be a fun episode for me to go through as I break down our semifinal matchups, uh, go through the record book, and cover some in-league drama, which will be a pain in the ass as I walk the fine line between befuddled outrage and not further offending people who tried to fleece the league. Uh, we'll also take a look at the point projections for our championship week, so let's get started. So, uh, before we get into the specifics of the decline trade, uh, I started wondering where the scandal uh, would rank in terms of the drama in our league history. Uh, it's easily top four, uh, because I can only actually think of four dramatic events, historically. Uh, but I was interested in putting together like a timeline to, to give kind of some perspective to the event. Uh, in the process of figuring this out, I actually stumbled upon something I didn't realize the Yahoo gave us, uh, which is a record book. I started looking at it, and it, it seems like a pretty cool feature. I'm going to go ahead and assume that this is only accessible from a non-mobile web browser, and since I know only a third of the league might actually hear this, and none of those people ever put their teams up on an actual computer, um, I won't expect any of you to actually go look. So, uh, just like everything else in this league, uh, since I know you won't help yourself, I'll spoon-feed it to you like the babbling, helpless imbeciles that you are. Um, okay, i got to shift my tone. Uh, give me a second, because I actually think some of this stuff is uh, cool. All right. I think I'm better, I think. So this record book is cool. It has records for the current season and all time in the league. Um, it also has best stats for skaters, goalies, has stats for head-to-head competition, streaks, and also a, a full list of like league medals if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, for example, uh, David's JT Miller set an all-time single-week record this year for goals scored in a week with 28. Uh, previously, that feat had been accomplished by Austin last season. Uh, also, despite being eliminated in Game 1 of the playoffs, uh, David led the league in goals scored this season with 162. Of course, because it was a short year, there's no way he'd set an all-time season record, which was 253. But he already holds that record already from last year as well. Uh, I've considered going through all the records team by team, kind of creating some accolades for the different owners and that they could listen to and be super proud, but that actually would be super messy and very, very hard to follow, and as I kind of put that data together, it just became you know too big and bulky to really unpack in a meaningful way. So I'm going to go through the record book in each category and uh, try to make some fun points. Um, some things do stand out as I, as I go through here, though. Um, David J.T. Miller's uh, set enough records this season. Uh, that I would expect him to still be in the playoffs, but one bad week can derail you, you know. Also, just set two goalie records this season uh, in the same week. Uh, the most wins in a week and most goals allowed in a week, 
which makes no damn sense. Um, another note, a lot of the weekly records for counting stats are going to be set in week one, just because week one's always a longer week. And so you'll hear week one a lot when those, those counting stat, um, type records. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get started with goals. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, David's JT Miller set the single week mark this season. Uh, and he also had, uh, the most goals all season. Um, he had 28 in week one and 162 on the season. His 28 week one goals is actually an all time record, uh, for a single week. Um, but with the short season, 162 goals is nowhere near the all-time record of 253, which was set last season. But David also holds that record, so that's pretty cool. Uh, on the assist front, uh, Melissa had the best single week this season with 43, which is also an all-time record for a single week. Uh, however, myself and Jess actually tied for the most assists this season with 294, with the all-time record being 445 in a single season, which was actually set last year by Ashley. Um, actually, now that I'm looking at it, it looks like our league technically exists this year and last year and no years before that. Maybe it's because we didn't play last season, uh, or maybe we didn't renew the league and we started a new one last year. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what's happening there. So I guess last season we'll have a lot of the full season records, which is important for context, I suppose. Um, for shots on goal, uh, Michael, who may or may not be a real person, uh, secured his legacy in our league forever by posting the best single week this season with 199. Uh, this annoys me greatly because I hold the single week all-time record with 211 last season, and I also had the most shots on goal for the full season with 1,479 and hold the all-time record there as well with 2,264. But Michael, who might not be real, uh, just had to spoil my fucking party, didn't he? The next category in the record book is shorthanded points, which brings up an interesting question. Uh, our league gives an extra point for shorthanded goals, but not shorthanded assists. And I wonder sometimes if this is something that we need to explore, like in future seasons, you know? Um, we really should have, like, an off-season owners meeting that Isaiah suggested a couple of years ago uh, to talk about rule changes, do trades, just all get together and have some fun, right? Um Anyway, uh, David J.T. Miller's actually set the single season or a single week best with three in week one, which puts him in a three-way tie for best all-time with Ashley, uh, who accomplished the feat in week one last season, and Jess, who did it in week eight of last season, which is pretty impressive in a normal-sized week. Uh, Dave Young's Cellar Dwellers actually set the mark this season with 10 shorthanded points, which is shockingly close to the all-time best, which is uh, 12 in a season set by Ashley. Um, this is another debatable topic our league could consider, which is penalty minutes. Um, for some stupid reason, fantasy hockey's always rewarded penalty minutes. But in real hockey, penalty minutes are what we would consider, you know, bad. Uh, I, I guess in a sense, if you're accumulating penalty minutes, you're being active and having an impact on the game. But it seems like most penalties I see fall into one of a few categories. Either a player's doing something dumb, like drawing a delay of game for flipping a puck into the stands from their own zone... Uh, something dirty, like elbowing someone in the head, slashing, boarding, or instigating a fight, or something lazy, like hooking or interference, right? So I don't see how any of these things actually help your team, especially when your time in the penalty box puts you at such a disadvantage. I mean, I like penalties as a counting stat, but I like them as a negative. Um, I don't know, uh, maybe Pepe could shine some light onto this, but I can't imagine Goalie is super stoked when he sees someone on his team slash someone in retaliation and gets sent to the penalty box because he's a hothead. I mean, that's not to say I don't wish someone would rip out Brad Marchand's spine, but I'm pretty sure that's a game misconduct and you're forced to sacrifice your owner's firstborn child. Um, not up to date on the rules, though, necessarily. 
Anyway, uh, Curtis's team set the single week best for penalty minutes this season with 48 penalty minutes in week two, uh, which is a negative 24 points in our league and, and definitely not good. Uh, Melissa's team actually holds the single week record with 60 in week 16 last season, um, while Curtis also has the most penalty minutes this season with 306. Uh, but Melissa actually holds the record uh, for all time in a season with 624 penalty minutes last season. That's a negative 312 points in our league, and that is painful. Uh, defensively, uh, Ashton's No Regretskis uh, had the best week for block shots this season with 72 in Week 1 this year, which is also an all-time record. Uh, Dave Young actually had our season best this year with 578, while Jess holds the all-time record with 841 block shots last season. On the goalie front, uh, three teams posted eight wins in Week 1 of this season. Uh, been there, done that, JT Miller, and Weezing the Juice. Uh, all three of those teams also shared the all-time record for a single week, um, you know, besting last season's output. As for most wins in a season, uh, Jacob actually uh, set the all-time record this year despite the short season, posting, uh, or I'm sorry, he almost set the record this year uh, despite the short season, posting 61 wins this season, but he also holds the all-time record of 66 from last season. So it's pretty interesting, even though we only had, you know, 13 weeks this year, uh, Jacob still almost bested uh, his record from last season of 66 goalie wins. Uh, it's probably because everybody went so freaking goalie crazy this year and every backup's backup was actually rostered. Um, for least goals allowed in a week, uh, Curtis set the all-time record allowing only one goal in week 15, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, of course, that was because he had only one single goalie start that week because he didn't set his lineup. He actually had another goalie who he never played who had two starts that week and only gave up uh, one goal in those two starts. So he could have actually started that goalie once and, and still gotten you know that all-time record of only one goal allowed uh, thanks to that shutout. Um but yeah, it's no surprise then for accounting stat that you're trying to keep low. Um, Curtis's 131 goals allowed this season is also an all-time best. You know, short season, not setting your lineup, those two things come together perfectly to make sure that, you know, you're not giving up any goals, which I guess is good because those are negative points. Um, but if you're not setting your goalies, you're probably also not, you know, scoring those goals either. Uh, but least goals allowed is uh, far less fun, right, uh, than, than most goals allowed. Uh, because Jess actually sets the record for most goals allowed this season in the same week where she set the record for most goalie wins. So in week one, she posted eight goalie wins, but she also gave up 44 goals that week. And Jess wasn't one of those teams that drafted way too many goalies to start the season. Um, it's pretty crazy. In week one, Jess actually had 15 goalie games that week. So she just had a lot of goalies going. Her goalies were eight and seven in those games. So... She probably also set the record for goalie losses in a week. Uh, and in 10 games, her goalies gave up at least three goals. So, I mean, that's kind of special to, to own the most wins while also giving up the most goals in the same week. So, good job, Jess. Way to go. Uh, Jacob set the season best mark for most goals allowed uh, this season with 271, which is kind of crazy considering, you know, that he just got eliminated from the playoffs as well. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's nowhere near my all-time record of 356 goals allowed last season, which is a year that I won the title. Um, so first of all, suck it. Second of all, how are teams that are doing so well giving up so many, many goals, right? Obviously, more offensively focused, I suppose. Um, or, or maybe just lots of goals being scored in the NHL. I'm not sure. Uh, on the opposite side of goals allowed, uh, you have saves, right? Uh, where I actually set the all-time single-week mark this season with 384 uh, saves on the season. 
Uh, but Jacob had the most saves um, this season with uh, 2,852, which is just a massive number. Uh, oddly, despite giving up the most goals last season, I also had the most saves last season uh, with 3,502. Um, so I just must have had a ton of goalie games last year. I don't know. Uh, and finally, on, on the goalie front, uh, Jessica set the single week mark this season with three shutouts in week 15, which she actually desperately needed to beat Jacob to move on to the finals, but more on that in a bit. Uh, Jacob actually owns the record for most shutouts this season uh, and all time, posting 10 this year and 11 last year. Uh, but, you know, it's worth noting, neither of those performances won him a title, right? So in terms of season performances, uh, I had the all-time record with most wins in a season with 17 last season, and my eight-game winning streak this year is actually also best in the league. Um, what is hockey, uh, whoever that was, I honestly don't know, uh, has our all-time record for losses in a season with 17, including an all-time worst 16-game losing streak. And so it makes sense that I have no idea who that was, because they obviously were absent all year and had zero impact on our league other than... You know, just a free victory for whoever they're playing. Um, there's some other cool stuff in the record book. There's there's some things in there um, about margin of victory, margin of defeat, um, some things like that uh, that are pretty neat. So if you have the ability to go look at the record book, definitely do so. But again, I just assume that none of you yahoos actually ever get onto a PC to do anything for your fantasy hockey team, um, which explains why nobody's making trades. Nobody knows what their cap figures are. Um, you know... Basically, I'm the only person who's putting any effort into this whatsoever. Um, but I don't feel like running through all that stuff. So that's going to be it for the record book. Um, so kind of a, a long-winded trip through there. Uh, it'll be cool to see those develop as time goes on. I, I just have to keep renewing the league every year, apparently, or we'll lose them. So don't annoy the shit out of me and make me turn the league over to someone else to manage. Oh, oh, would you look at the topic that's next? She's competitive. Yes, I am super competitive. Everybody knows I'm okay. She's angry. I have a bone to pick with you. And frankly, I think she's a little out of control. Confession time. So when you're pregnant, mm -hmm. you have really crazy sex dreams, okay? You can't. You cannot help them. Ladies and gentlemen, brace yourselves. It's Jessica. That is not okay. Not okay. So, there have been a few things historically that have annoyed the fuck out of me in this league. Um, me having to micromanage keepers and overexplain processes while people ignore me and they get mad when they have no keepers. Or harass me so much that I have to block them on Facebook and they quit. Uh, that kind of drives me nuts. Uh, people not paying attention to their waiver pickups causing me to have to constantly adjust cap space and then ultimately lock down teams is no fun for me whatsoever. And people trying to trade rape other people and then getting mad at me when someone asks me what I think and I advise against it. Uh, that doesn't feel so great either. Uh, but I would have never really expected to encounter anything like what happened at the end of round one of the playoffs in our league. It's worth noting that more than once this season, I've been annoyed enough to be like, fine, you can commission her next season, right? It just, sometimes I'm over it. I don't want to have to put up with adults' drama. It's stupid. We shouldn't have to argue about petty shit. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start then with, with the first time where I, where I said, you know, 
fine, you can be the commissioner next season. And that's the the attempted trade rape that I kind of referenced above there. Because it's kind of funny in the context of the final matchup for the season. Uh, Jessica tried to wrestle Marc-Andre Fleury away from Dave Young for next to nothing except for some cap space. And she was heated when Dave asked me what I thought. And I said, that's dumb. You know, don't do that trade. Just roll with the team you have and don't worry about your cap space. Definitely don't make a deal with her. It's obvious that she's trying to rip you off. Uh, specifically, she said that it wasn't fair that I told him that the trade wasn't fair. I mean, he asked, I answered, and afterwards Jess told me that Dave should have taken the deal because Flurry was injured and Rob Lehner was going to be the primary for the rest of the way. Of course, that wasn't even remotely true, as Flurry has logged nearly a thousand minutes more of ice time and has posted a hundred fantasy points more than Lehner while playing in twice as many games. At that point... I offered just the commissioner a role for next season, and she could create a league where veterans rip off rookies, and we could never find anybody to play with us. Like, longevity of the league isn't priority number one when I'm commissioning the league, but when making some of these decisions, it absolutely has to come into play. Why would anyone want to play with us if we're just ripping off the people that we invite in? So, yeah, if someone asks me if I think a trade is fair, I will always say no if someone is throwing you a junk defenseman for a top-tier goalie. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, if if Jessica were trading with her husband and she asked if I thought it was fair, I would give her honest advice. Like, just the way that things are. We don't need to be inviting people in the league just to rip them off. But, you know, it was definitely one of those moments where I was like, you know, why are you even angry? You, you tried a ridiculous trade. You, you failed, so, like, let it go. Nice hustle out there. It didn't work out. But the attitude afterwards definitely annoyed me. So... Fast forward to the end of the first week of the playoffs. You know, Jess damn near has her husband doubled up in points heading into the last day of the week. And it's obvious that David has zero chance of winning, right? Suddenly I get an alert that David is trying to send two three-point-per-game defensemen to Jess in exchange for two defensemen who are injured. I didn't even have to look at how many points the defensemen in the deal were scoring. The losing team was sending two healthy players to the winning team for two injured players. Like, immediately I had no choice but to veto the trade. But listen, I, I knew immediately that I wasn't going to get out of this deal with have, having to argue with somebody about it. So I consulted another senior member of the league, uh, who agreed that it had to be vetoed, because obviously there's no choice, but assured me that the trade request in itself was so ridiculous that he would be shocked if anyone even said anything about it. What a liar they turned out to be. Um, the absurdity of having to explain to someone that trades never happen in the playoffs. So that was obviously out of bounds to begin with, right? And then having to further discuss the fairness of an eliminated team shipping their better players to the team that just beat them. I just... I don't even know how to break that down because it shouldn't have to be broken down. It's so obvious. It's just like... It's like explaining to you that you get your mail from your mailbox. That's just the way things are. It's designed that way. You don't get to pilfer losing teams to bulk up your team as you progress through the postseason. Anyway, what I got out of that was a lecture on how I'm not allowed to comment on whether a trade is fair or not. Which is exasperating, you know, to say the least. Like, I get it. We've seen top-tier talent traded for Girl Scout cookies. So defining fair based on the talent exchanged is definitely a difficult thing to do. But I wasn't judging fair on the talent being moved, but the action itself. Winning teams do not get to poach the losing team for their best players to beef themselves up as they move to the playoffs. I, I don't care what sexual favors are being promised. It's out of bounds. Of course, in the process of arguing, Jess made sure to key me into their backup plan. You know, I'm not entirely sure why, but immediately after I vetoed the trade, David dropped both players involved. 
obviously, so Jess could pick them up, but Jess told me about it. I assume to prove a point, because I said that David's team should have been locked down because he was essentially eliminated, and I guess she wanted to throw it into my face that, well, no, his team's not locked down, and he's still making moves. I guess she really showed me, put me in my place, because I immediately put the players back on David's roster and locked him down completely, uh, thus ending the saga. Uh, but not really ending my frustration, right? And so I wonder what a fair punishment would be in a scenario like this. Um, you know, if I didn't have it set up to where every single trade had to be, you know, approved by the commissioner, this trade could have potentially gone through. Had Jess not, you know, mentioned that David dropped the two players in question, um, she very well would have picked them up the next day. I would have had no clue that it even happened because nobody's really watching the waiver wires for this type of bullshit. And she would have pulled it off just the same. Essentially, they were one failsafe and one stupid argument away from fleecing, you know, the league to help just advance to the playoffs. And so it feels like something has to be done in this situation in order to make sure that, you know, we're playing fairly in some sense, right? The league can't just be a whatever-you-can-get-away-with league. There have to be consequences for this type of shit. And in my mind, I'm, I'm definitely leaning towards like a 5% cap space reduction for next season, which off the top of my head, I think is somewhere around like $35 or something. I think, I don't know, I'd have to look and, and actually do the math. But um, having just mentioned that and put that into the universe, uh, I hope you're excited to tune in next week to hear me rant about the argument that I'm going to have simply because of this particular segment. I'm sure there's consequences to my words here. Um but I'm prepared for them, I suppose. I'm also prepared to, once again, offer the commissionership to Jess so that she can run the league in the way that she sees fit and um, not have to yell at me every week when she's angry. Um, anyway, uh, stay tuned for uh, a week, um, well, uh, the semifinal recap uh, from the playoffs and a preview of our championship match. Well, shit. The What Rhymes with Puck Fantasy Hockey League will be crowning a new champion this season. In our seventh year of a league that tends to have between 10 and 12 teams, we've actually only had uh, four separate winners. Uh, but in 2021, we will welcome a fifth champion. As Dave Young eliminated last season's champion AJ, and Jessica defeated three-time league winner Jacob in the semifinals last week. Uh, Dave Young advances to the final after blowing the damn doors off of full Kopitard, winning by nearly 50 points while posting a league-best 174.1 points. Uh, anchored by the best player in the league, Connor McDavid, the Cellar Dwellers also boast the 4th, 8th, and 11th best forwards in Mitch Marner, Max Pacioretty, and Brad Marchand. Uh, combined, those four players posted 66.1 points in the semifinals, uh, more than half of the output for my entire team. Uh, of course, nearly half of all that came from McDavid, who put up four goals and six, six assists on the week, uh, absolutely destroying my best player, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who posted two goals and five assists for 19.8 points. Uh, ultimately, the Cellar Dwellers forwards outscored full Kopitar's forwards by 34.9 points. And if all of that wasn't bad enough, uh, Dave also whipped my defensive players by six points and beat my goalies by five points. So... I was beat early, beat often, and beat completely. Uh, by Friday, I had basically given up. There, there was no hope to be had. So, um, no repeat championship for me. Um, you know, good luck to Dave, I suppose. I'm not sure how I feel about that yet. 
On the other side of the bracket, uh, Jess and Jacob were actually playing a very tight game. Uh, at the end of the day on Friday, Jacob actually had a small 3.9 point lead. Um, of course, at this point, uh, Jacob is actually already really frustrated with his own lineup management. He always ensures that he has extra cap space to make some moves during the playoffs. Um, but Jacob forgot that there's a four move per week limit, and he burned three of his four moves on the very first day of the matchup, which really hampered his ability to make moves later on in the week. Uh, Jess was a little more patient and um, you know, was able to actually make a couple of moves on Saturday night to ensure that she could steal 4.5 additional points on Sunday that would have covered Jacob's slight lead uh, had things been even at the end of Saturday night. But really, uh, this matchup comes down to what happened Saturday in the crease. Um, Jessica posted 20.4 goalie points on Saturday night based on the strength of shutouts from Simeon Varlamov and Tristan Jari. Uh, thanks to that and a strong performance from her skating unit, uh, Jess actually outscored Jacob by 20.3 points on Saturday. And with a num minimal number of available games on Sunday, um, she just completely wiped Jacob off the map in a single Thanos-like snap. Um, at that point, Jacob had no chance. Jess really didn't get outstanding performances from any of her skaters. Um, she was led by David Perron, uh, Jeff Petrie, and Jamie Benn. Uh, they were her only skaters to actually score more than 10 points, but Jacob matched her in mediocrity, uh, only getting double-digit performances from Ryan O'Reilly, Michael Hoffman, and Mackenzie Weger. Um, ultimately, Jess's goalie crew stole the show, right, and vaulted her into a championship round for what may be the first time ever. I'm not sure. Um, let me look here. Yeah, uh, Jess has never taken, never finished better than third place, so already, no matter what happens, yeah. Uh, of course, now that she's there, uh, what's she going to do? Uh, I mean, she has cap space, and Dave Young does not. Uh, so she has some flexibility to make some moves. But she's already said that she's so happy with beating Jacob that she doesn't even care what happens in the championship round. So is she checking out already? Is she satisfied with second place? It would be her best season ever after finishing third in 2013 and 2017, and far better than her average finish of fifth place. But a victory would vault her from the realm of teams that are competitive every year to a champion, remembered forever, so long as we play in Yahoo. For Dave Young and the Cellar Dwellers, the victory would likely mean a bit less. Um, blessed by me selecting his keepers, which granted him top 10 players in Mitch Marner and Max Pacioretty, and then uh, by auto-draft giving him Connor McDavid, Johnny Goudreau, and Alec Martinez, uh, and then additionally Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Dave has actually been locked out of making any moves since March 8th when he ran out of cap space. Uh, Dave is basically flying a jet that has the most complete, sophisticated autopilot in the history of mankind. Uh, just set your lineup and watch this motherfucker do work. Uh, there are only really two questions left for him. Uh, can this thing land on its own? And will he be back next season to participate in a league for a sport he's never even watched? At the time of the podcast, uh, Yahoo actually projects Jess as a 2.1 point favorite in the matchup, so all signs really do point to this being an exciting conclusion to our 2021 season. Um, still, if I were betting money on it, I'd probably lean towards Dave. Um, you know, he's got a top five goalie, he's got, you know, four of the top 15, uh, you know, skaters. He just, he puts up points at a ridiculous pace, and when you've got the best player in the league on your team, it's really hard to, to count you out, but... You know, it might come down to the number of games played and just having some of that flexibility in order to make some additional moves to beef up her scoring. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. But really, um, that that's kind of it for now. Um, you know, this is a bit of a beefier podcast, not too big. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, just in time for the holiday. 
which which I guess is Ramadan, uh, since there's not much else going on at the start of May. But really, I don't know what to make of this championship matchup. Uh, rooting for Dave feels bad because this is his first season with us, and he doesn't watch hockey. You know, he didn't really put a whole lot of investment into his team other than setting his lineup, which are every week. Which you know, kudos to him because we have a lot of people who come into the league who don't bother to set their lineup. So you know, it's hard to discount you know his actual management of the roster that he has. It's just that he didn't put a whole lot of effort into getting his roster together at all, right? And he also didn't watch any games this season. But rooting for Jess feels bad because of all the crap that I had to put up with this season and all the arguments I got into with her. Um, so that doesn't feel good either. And it's also, you know, kind of nice to have the champions be a boys club, you know? Um, you know, the He-Man Woman Haters Club, no girls allowed. But, you know, it's it's 2021. We're, we're breaking through um, glass ceilings. You know, ladies can play at Augusta now. Um, you know, they're allowed to wear pants. Um, uh, it just it just seems like women can do whatever they want, and that may actually include being champions of fantasy hockey leagues. It also sucks I don't have myself to root for because winning is the fucking best, and if you haven't done it, I, I highly recommend it. Anyway, I, I honestly just really want to be ta- done talking now, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and leave you with this super wise quote from... One of my most inspirational uh, sources, uh, Jackie Moon. Um, When they look back in the annals of history, people are going to be talking about three things. The discovery of fire, the invention of the submarine, and the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. 